thank you so much, Harpreet, for taking the time today and coming on the show to talk with me. I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Uh, I've been wearing the Aura Ring. It's a a sleep measuring ring uh, that you're the CEO of the company, and I've been wearing it for a couple months now and really enjoying it as a product, uh, making some changes with my sleep as well. So, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on. I think the best place to get started is just by telling your story, uh, you know, from as early as you're willing to start to uh, becoming the CEO of Aura and kind of we'll get into what you've been doing since you've been there as well. Um, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for having me, Jake. Really, you know, honestly, I think glad that you've, you've had a ring in China. And so I think, yeah, uh, I, I think a lot of your audience is into, you know, obviously health and you know, better versions of themselves. So, you know, excited to be here. Um, in terms of my story, um, you know, I'd say none of it was really planned, most of it, you know, by accident. Um, but hopefully I can help connect the dots in, in some in some logical order. Um, I think, look, growing up, I, you know, I, I was really into probably two things. I think one, you know, into engineering and technology. Uh, my dad was an electrical engineer. My grandfather was an electrical engineer. Um, you know, I, I can still remember I probably got more excitement, you know, when I was, man, I'm trying to think now how old, probably like nine, ten, nine, eight, nine years old when like my dad, you know, brought home a computer from work. And like the first thing I did was unscrew the lid and sort of look what's inside. <laughs> you know, so like I think um, I just always loved learning how things work and tinkering with the technology. I think as I grew up, um, you know, I, I started actually getting really into sort of, you know, health and performance. And, and frankly, because I was bad, really bad athlete, um, you know, I, so I, I'm Sikh, you know, I have a turban and a beard and I, I, you know, grew up in Allentown, Pennsylvania and Bridgewater, New Jersey. And my dad worked at Bell Labs and at and and Lucent and, you know, so pretty suburban-ish areas. And, um, you know, I, I look different. And so for me, fitting in was being good at sports. You know, it wasn't cool to be, you know, into tech or a nerd, you know, then. And I, luckily, I think that's changing um, at a younger and younger age, which is great. But you know, I felt like, oh, in order to fit in, I had to be good at sports. And for me, you know, I was five foot five, you know, probably 120 pounds most of high school. And so for me, you know, that was, that was soccer as a sport. Obviously football and basketball sort of probably would have been harder. Um, But I just found, you know, I had to, I felt like I had to work twice as hard to be half as good as everyone else on my team. And, um, you know, I think that sort of frustration of, oh, why when I train this way, am I not getting the same results as someone else? Oh, why? You know, frankly, like, why can some of my friends, you know, eat a bunch of candy, ice cream, hamburgers, you know, uh, smoke cigarettes and, and run a five minute mile and I can't. And so I think, um, you know, in my quest to just learn how to be better, I started realizing so much about the human body, um, you know, is unknown. And, uh, you know, when I got to college, I ended up going to the University of Michigan and, and ended up studying electrical engineering. Uh, I chose Michigan partly because not only did they have a great WE program, but they're one of the few schools that actually had a MEMS program. So MEMS is, you know, microelectronic mechanical systems. But essentially, if you think about like sensor technology, like things like an accelerometer, things like optical sensors, um, you know, th- those were some of the things that you get to work on designing MEMS. And, and I always felt like even at that age, that the future of technology and health is, is going to intersect and we'll be able to understand the human body better. Um, long story short, you know, I, I would say, that was all, you know, my interest and passion. Uh, but then, you know, I was graduating in 2007, sort of financial boom. And it was like, at the time, you know, my sister was living in New York City, you know, having grown up in New Jersey, you want to get to the other side of the tunnel. And it was like, oh, go work at Intel, you know, and or GE in, you know, Louisville, Kentucky, or try to get a job and, and be cool and live in New York City. And so, um, you know, at that time, I think it was a lot easier to uh, get a job in sort of the finance sector or the consulting sector. And a lot of my friends were in the business school and doing that. And so I, I just, you know, read a couple, you know, the vault guide on accounting and, you know, like audited a, a you know, accounting class or two. And then, you know, actually got into getting a job uh, on Wall Street at uh, Morgan Stanley and their MA group, you know, after college. And, and I think, you know, in my first year, you know, I got worked really hard as an investment banker you know, ended up gaining like 50 pounds in my first year, about a pound of, a pound a week. And, 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 and frankly, it was the first time in my life I started experiencing insomnia. You know, I'd come home from work 2, 3 a.m., be all wired and couldn't fall, fall asleep, which is crazy, right? Because you're like sleep deprived and can't fall asleep. And so, 
you know, I think that's where sort of my fascination and understanding of sleep started to happen. Like I was still eating decently healthy and, you know, but just gaining a lot of weight and, uh, you know, started learning about links like, oh, wow, you know, your leptin and your ghrelin levels, you know, change when you're sleep deprived, you know, essentially what controls your hunger and satiety, um, you know, how full you feel. Um, and so I think, you know, the more I learned about that, the more I started realizing sleep made a huge impact on my health. I ended up staying at a hedge fund um, after Morgan Stanley, which was much more sustainable, um, you know, ended up losing all the weight, um, you know, ended up doing things like keto diet, intermittent fasting, so, you know, probably 2009, I think is when I was doing my first, you know, ish diet, like reading the blogs, like Lean Gains, you know, out there for Sir <laughs> Martin Burkan, and, you know, like, I think some of the early people into that uh, movement, you know, over 10 years ago. And so I think, you know, my, my fascination with sort of just health always continued through my personal journeys. And, uh, you know, I, at the hedge fund, I covered the tech, media, and telecom sector for us, which meant a lot of time on hardware um, and spent a lot of time looking at the wearable space just because I, you know, was always still fascinated and enthusiastic about it at heart as a consumer. And, um, you know, I tried probably seven to 10 wearables, you know, and, and then, you know, saw Aura Ring uh, on a Kickstarter in 2015. I knew the advantages of, some of the sensing and signal quality improvements on the finger versus things on the wrist. And, uh, you know, also was a big believer in sleep. And so, you know, got, got the product um, probably sometime early 2016 and was honestly just the first wearable that I kept on for longer than two weeks in a row. I think everyone, everything else, I try them all, they'd end up in the junk drawer and, um, you know, was really blown away. Um, and, I could measurably see when my sleep score is better, when my readiness score is better. I was getting that extra rep in the gym. I was getting that extra thing done on my to-do list at work. Um, you know, it's probably in a better mood. And so I think um, I experienced that and totally by accident, you know, one of the co-founders happened to be in New York City. You know, a company started in Finland um, and still majority of our employees are in Finland that we have a big growing presence in the Bay Area now. Um, and, uh, you know, he was wearing an Aura t-shirt. I was in Whole Foods. He was in town for... A conference for like a CES offshoot. I think it was called like CE New York or something like that. So he was in town for two days and, you know, we're walking through Whole Foods and my girlfriend sees this guy with an Aura t-shirt. She starts going and talking to him. And then, you know, he sees me later and, and sees that I have an Aura ring. And at this point, you know, it was very, very early days. He's like, that's the first Aura ring I've seen outside the office. Uh, and so, so that's, um, that's sort of, you know, I, I ended up investing in a company. I think, you know, it was still, you know, sort of dog days for hardware and, you know, sleep wasn't that popular yet. And, um, you know, they're having sort of a hard time raising capital. You know, I personally invested um, and I helped raise a whole series A and joined the board. And then I just started helping the company and, you know, a couple months into being on the board, you know, I think the founders realized and I realized I was having more fun you know, working on Aura than I was, you know, at, at my regular job, even though I love that too. And so I think, you know, they asked me to join and end up joining as president. Um, that was in May of 17. And I think, you know, a little bit after a year, I got, you know, promoted by the board to CEO, um, you know, and we've grown a ton since, uh, you know, now have a team of over 200 people and it's been a crazy, crazy journey. Hopefully, hopefully that can help connect some of the dots that may not look like there's a pattern there, but, but there is some, some pattern there, I guess, underneath it all. Yeah, no doubt. It's a super interesting story. There's a couple of points actually that, uh, that have, you know, significant overlap with on my end and I can sympathize with, uh, with the banking stint to start the career and then also growing up in New Jersey. So it's pretty funny, but, uh, but it sounds like when you first discovered Aura, um, you know, you had a number, you know, you were focused on, on the advantages that you could get from growing up playing sports. Uh, yeah. you know, you talked about like having to work twice as hard to be half as good. So you had this kind of idea that there was like, you know, maybe some hacks available to you and you needed to find them. And then you go on and, and obviously you have this engineering mindset as well. And then you go on and you're in banking and you see the adverse impact on your health and kind of correlate that with the lack of sleep. And then you try on these, these wearables and aura and, and it all kind of clicks that sleep is you know, I don't know necessarily in what order, but it clicks that sleep is the missing component and you need to optimize and, and Aura seems like a great way to do that. Um, I guess when you were first trying different wearables, you know, were they all in the early days, were they all focused on sleep or no. a wide variety of things? And what separated Aura from you? You mentioned like the other ones didn't last more than a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, no, it's a great question, but uh, 
first going to ask a more, more important question. Where, where in New Jersey did you grow up? Uh, actually in Somerset County. So no, no uh, way. Okay. Yeah, so well, I'm very familiar with, with Bridgewater. Where, where, where <laughs> this is hilarious. Uh, where in Somerset County? Do you know uh, where the, I don't know how long they've been doing this. I imagine a long time, but they have the hunt horse races. Are you familiar with that at all? Oh man. Yes. Is that on the way sort of off route 22? Um, like past the circle. I'm trying to think what direction to be heading more towards like, uh, but Man. It's it's I, between seventy eight and and, uh, and two eighty seven. Yep. Um, that area. So and no one really knows it other than the hunt. But uh, <laughs> but right, you know, I I could basically throw a baseball there. Nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I went to Bridgewater Raritan High School uh, and middle school. I was in Freehold, New Jersey, for a couple of years before that because uh, Lucent had a big big headquarters in Homedale, New Jersey. Um, and you know, my dad had gone from AT T to or Bell Labs AT T to Lucent. So. Uh, crazy small world <laughs> um, uh, to say the least but yeah I think you know for so the the first wearable I tried probably like a lot of people might have been the Nike fuel band um, I can't remember if it was that or Fitbit or the timing exactly of it so I think in college so my senior design project was an accelerometer um, and uh, so you know we we created sort of a we were actually looking on just the chip level and our idea was like oh let's track movement of shipping boxes you know this is how sophisticated we were or clever unclever we were in, in, in college but um we're like oh you'll be able to track if you put an accelerometer on all these boxes you know that if someone drops your fedex box and something breaks you can you know that would be great for the consumer so that was like uh, you know i think my first idea back in 2005 uh with their group when we were making accelerometer and then lo and behold i think yeah you know couple years later, right, Fitbit has uh, put accelerometers in, you know, essentially a step counter um, on, on a wrist-based device. Um, and I think, yeah, so I probably had tried a pedometer, might have been the original Fitbit pedometer. And then at some point, I feel like really, though, it was the first Nike fuel band that like, I got obsessed with. And really, just because I thought, you know, it was easier to join with friends, easier to get people being active. And, you know, just, just had a lot of fun. I think the marketing was terrific. And, and, you know, I think that though died off really quick, like it did for many people, like was pretty much a fad. And you start asking yourself, wait, what are these fuel points? What does this mean? I think, you know, I ended up probably sticking with two or three Fitbits, all the different variants. I think I tried two Jawbones, probably like Jawbones and Basis Watch the most, but I kept having a hard time with the straps breaking and then, you know, eventually Basis Watch being recalled. I did try the Zero. You know, for those out there who don't know, the Zio is like, a, you know, not around anymore, but essentially was like at home, you know, you know, PSG EEG device um, that tracks sleep, but it was really uncomfortable. So, you know, I didn't really use that much. So I think, yeah, I probably tried two or two basis, maybe three Fitbits, the fuel band, two Jawbones um, before Aura. And I would say the majority of those devices, right, we're all focused on activity. You know, I think Fitbit, you know, Jawbone was probably, and, and Jawbone and Basis had sleep. They didn't have it till the later models. And, you know, I think both were pretty early days for, you know, sleep staging and things like that, you know, not that accurate. Um, you know, it was really, really early days of that. Fitbit didn't, you know, they didn't probably roll out sleep staging or, you know, sleep, I want to say till like 2017. Can't remember exactly, 2018 maybe. Um, so I think, you know, most of all these other devices were really focused on activity, your heart rate and your workout, you know, your resting heart rate, things like that, and or your steps and activity burn. And, you know, I think when I used Aura, my, rev, you know, revelation even before was, hey, my heart rate during my workout, it's already too late to adjust my workout. You know, I used to plan my workout out, you know, have a program for the week or the month or, you know, a couple months at a time. And you know, started to realize, well, like looking at my heart rate and my workout, if it's too high or, or too low, you know, I mean, you're not pushing myself too much or too little. And I think it's too late, you know, you've already planned your workout. Um, and so when I started to realize that with Aura was like, oh, wow, you know, seeing how I sleep and recovered and things like heart rate variability as well, before you get to the gym, you can sort of tell how you're going to perform, right? And then you can plan your workout or different, not a workout accordingly, right? So I think the idea of sort of being, you know, preventative or, you know, uh, helping you plan before versus being reactive and too late after. And so I think that's when I, I really was like, holy cow, this is making a ton of sense. You know, days I, I had better heart rate variability, better deep sleep, you know, I, I would push myself harder in the gym and able to get that, you know, drive that correlation with like, that's making, you know, a better 
performance in, the, in a short time. And then, you know, simultaneously, I, I also, like other people, tracked a lot of stuff in spreadsheets. So I used to track, okay, how many hours did I actually spend working each day, you know, on the project, on things on my to-do list. And I just started realizing, like, I was more efficient. I was getting things done faster. I was able to write emails quicker. I was less distracted on nights that I slept better and, you know, and, and recovered better. And, and then, you know, I think qualitatively, I realized I was cracking more jokes, like being in a better, you know, a better boyfriend, um, uh, a better dog owner. And so I think like all those things, even though I knew some of the science before, you know, sleep was probably that missing link. And um, once I started to improve that, everything sort of improved. Um, so I think that's really why, you know, to me, it was like, oh, this is more important, more preventative, you know, versus, you know, something that's reactive. Um, and, and it's too late. Like if your workout sucks, that, that in the middle of the workout, we all know that feeling. Everyone hates that feeling. Um, you know, what if you can know that before? Um, and I, I think that's, that's where it really did it for me. Yeah, it's really interesting. There's like the way, the way I think about sleep and I've just started to really appreciate, I, I've thought about it you know, and the importance of it for a few years, but really just started to appreciate it within the last several months. I actually came from like the opposite perspective when I was, I remember I was a senior in in college. I would think I was thinking one day, I was like, if I just cut my, you know, if I sleep eight hours a night and I cut it to six, I actually get back, you know, two hours a day. And that's a pretty significant amount on top of like a a 16 hour day. And I was like, I can increase my life by, by so-and-so percent. So I actually had like kind of the opposite perspective. Uh, and it's hard to qualitatively know, like you, you know, if you're like me, like sometimes you, you trust the way you feel, but sometimes you also trust the data. Um, and it sounds like you're kind of of the same perspective. So it's, it's very helpful. It's been very helpful over the last few months for, for me to be using Aura. And, um, you know, on the one hand, I wake up and it tells me I have a really good sleep score or a really good readiness score. And I have kind of extra confidence. I know how much I slept and I had a good night's sleep and I've been having a good week's sleep. And then I can feel really confident, like going into my day, going into my workouts. I can feel confident pushing a little bit, whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm kind of curious your perspective on this kind of almost like a psychological thing, which is that when I see, so as an example, transparently last night, I got an awful night's sleep. I, I was up till 1am and, uh, and only slept till like seven. And of those six hours, I slept like four and a half or five. Okay. Um, and frankly, like I realized that actually my podcast, you know, the podcasts tend to go better when I have more sleep. So hopefully that's not, not an indicator <laughs> today, but, uh, but I think it's, it's funny anyways. And, and I, I look at the scores when they're bad and I kind of say, okay, well, you know what, I'm going to actually just listen to like my body a little bit today and see how I feel and be aware that if I do feel tired, like I kind of know why, but if I don't, you know, I'm not going to sweat it. So it's like this positive mindset applied to these objective measurements that has made it really useful for me personally. Is that something that you've thought about at all? Yeah, no, a a ton. I I mean, there's a couple of ways I've thought about it and maybe just experienced in my life, you know, and, and maybe also getting back to this, to what you were talking about earlier, like, I definitely thought the same in the beginning. Like, oh yeah, I'll get six hours of sleep and I'll get two hours more in my workday. I'll get two hours more done. I'll, I'll you know, have an extra 15 minutes to stretch after my workout or foam roll that I never get, you know? Um, so I definitely thought the exact same way that, oh, that's all, that's all making me more productive. I'll cut this area. And by the way, I think most of us who are type, you know, driven professionally, right, you know, and want to have balanced lives, you know, I think we work hard and work out hard, right? And um, I, you know, I think, and we tend to cut it from sleep and we want to have a great social life too, right? I think that's what all humans want, right? We want it, we want it all. And I think, um, yeah, you know, I used to do the same. And I think that's when I started, I started to hit a plateau myself physically. So like, you know, after doing all the if diets and, you know, keto stuff, like I was able to lose like 60 pounds and, you know, but then eventually I hit a plateau and I'm still in my mid twenties. You know, but I was like, man, why am I not making any progress? And I think that's the part that was sort of eye-opening for me is like, actually, I can start to make more progress by prioritizing that. So I'm breaking past my plateaus. And it meant working smarter, not harder. Maybe the other way I, I thought about it relating back to sort of banking and finance a bit and, and investing is, right, there's leading economic indicators and lagging economic indicators, right? LEIs, as they're called, right? And so you know, sleep was actually my leading economic indicator on how I was going to perform, you know, versus my heart rate and my workout after, oh, it's my lagging indicator. It's already too late. I could have told you that before. 
And so I think that that was also something that that you know drove my mindset. But um, to 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 your last question on what do you do on days that the data is bad? You know, I th I think unfortunately humans, right? We we tend to get very focused and very competitive on certain areas. You know, I think he. It, you can see this with people that have fantasy football. There are some people that obsess about it. It's like the most important thing to them right now, right, um, uh, during football season, right? And uh, you can totally obsess about your roster all the time. You know, same thing with stock prices. You know, stocks go down just like your, you know, my, my, my data, my orange goes down certain days, right? And then I think it's like, well, okay, so what are you going to do? You can sit there and get nervous and, you know, worry about all the data or beat yourself up, beat yourself up about it. Or yeah, to your point, hey, take the positive mindset of like, okay, I'm a little bit more aware now. So maybe I can do things a little bit better today. All right, I, I had a crappy, you know, you know, I had a crappy night of sleep too last night, right? Got, you know, six and a half hours instead of, you know, normally seven and a half. Um, and, and, you know, my, my heart rate and HRV, my heart rate was higher, HRV was lower than, than average. Um, okay, so what am I going to do about it today? All right, I'll try to get an extra walk in outside just to relax a bit. I'll try to meditate five minutes between a meeting, right? I think, I think for me, I, and I'd see myself, all right, I'll cancel meetings um, because I know it's going to be unproductive and I'm going to be in a bad mood um, and I'm going to be stressed. So I think, you know, even if the data is bad, it, it just makes you a little bit more aware. And so I think, you know, awareness is really the first step, I think, of change. And I, I think even if, if things are bad, that's fine. You know, now you're a little bit more aware and informed. So what are you going to do? Um, so I think, um, you know, we used to have this saying at Eminence at the hedge fund I worked at, like, you know, even if you have, if, even if you strike out, you still got to keep, you know, swinging the bat. Like you can't let things in the red hurt you psych psychologically so that you don't swing the bat or don't play the game anymore. Um, and so I think, I think that's the same for any, any type of data that you look at. It's, you know, orthosomnia is a thing, you know, there are certain types of people who will get so obsessed about it, but I think at the end of the day, yeah, it's just another point of awareness that, that, you know, leads you to make better decisions that day. Yeah. I think the, you know, to, to try to summarize like what you just said, the way that I think about aura is that it's pass, you know, it's passive measurement. I just wear this thing on my, on my, I wear the ring on my finger and I don't, I never have to think about it. I charge it when I shower and, and literally it's like, couldn't be easier. Uh, and then I wake up and, and I check the app, you know, at my leisure. And so it's like this passive measurement, leads to more active management where uh, on a good day, I don't really have to do a whole lot. I can just have like a whole lot of confidence knowing that I had a really good night's sleep. And then on the bad days, like you said, there's, there's certain levers that you can pull, uh, whether it's, you know, rescheduling meetings or going for a walk or eating a little better or taking a nap that um, can sort of remedy the situation a little bit. So, so before we get too deep into like the different aspects of aura and i want to go back to your to your story in some regards as well but um can we just introduce for people who aren't as familiar as as uh you know i i obviously have the ring and so i'm pretty familiar but um for people who don't know can you kind of introduce the aura ring however you like to do that yeah sure um so you know aura ring um you know where it's it's a wearable ring um but you know i think we we really you know, our, our, our aim, the way we talk about our company internally, right, our, our, our mission is to empower people to own their potential. And I think potential, you know, human potential is, it can be sort of, you know, thought of in a simpler way of like, we want people to be the best version of themselves. So when I was a hedge fund analyst, we want, I want, you know, that version of Harpreet to be more effective and productive. You know, when I'm a boyfriend, I want to be more empathetic, more caring, more fun to be around, right? And so I think, you know, our view is health is a way to have people to have the best versions of themselves, better health. And, you know, I think we, we felt like starting with sleep is, is really a key thing. Now, we, we do track activity and steps, but, you know, I think for all the reasons we were talking about earlier, you know, people understanding sleep and the recovery, right, that, that's probably going to have the single biggest impact on how you perform and feel in any given single day. And, you know, we should have people sort of focused on that. You know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate now that, you know, Jake, like you and me, half of Americans on any given night, 50% of Americans, more than 50% are getting less than six hours of sleep. Um, you know, that has a huge impact on how we feel and perform. And, you know, I, I think, you know, our view is that if we can help people start there on that health journey, you know, that's going to be the foundation where then, okay, you're going to make better decisions about eating. You're going to make better decisions about what activities you should do or shouldn't do, or knowing that you're stressed, just being a little bit more aware 
so you're, you're not as aggressive or grumpy in a meeting. Um, and so I think, you know, whether it's, you know, mental health, physical health, right, uh, dietary health, right, you know, starting with sleep as, as our cornerstone of our product and, and really our, our, you know, user journey, I think is, is so important and so helpful. Um, so we give, you know, we have wearable ring and the battery lasts six nights and, and we have a bunch of different sensors on there, but we give users three scores, a sleep score, an activity score, and something that we call a readiness score. A readiness score is just a cumulative understanding of your personal data adjusted to your personal baseline. And, you know, and then we also look at, you know, your two week average of sleep and activity um, along with your prior night and prior day of sleep and activity, uh, along with some other physiological characteristics like changes in your respiratory rate, heart rate, heart rate variability, and temperature. And then we come up with a sort of cumulative score, which we, you know, call the readiness score. And I think what people tell us all the time is, man, my readiness score is how I feel today. Um, and so I think that's, you know, that's how we've sort of shown people this data, you know, both on a one night basis, so you can look at your sleep and your steps and all that stuff, but actually on a more cumulative basis. So you really understand your health and how you're doing right now. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not surprised to hear the feedback on the readiness score. I really like that piece as well. Like I mentioned last night, didn't get a good uh, sleep score at all, but my readiness score was like in the seventies, which is not bad, at least for, for what I've done. Since I got the ring and uh and uh, I think the text below it actually said something as straightforward as like you didn't sleep very well last night but you're still ready don't worry about it uh yeah. and it's like nice to see you know had I just had the sleep score I might get in a hole and you know mentally of thinking like oh it's you know gonna be a bad day or whatever it is um but it's nice to have that readiness score which is based on you know more than just your last night's sleep and takes uh I, I guess like a longer term view and a more considerate um, you know, set of, uh, of measurements from not just the night before, but, uh, you know, several nights or, or whatever it might be. Um, one thing that, that you talked about was, um, was, you know, the, the aura ring, obviously you're, you're trying to help people fulfill their potential. And so there's this sort of quality of life that, that comes to mind for me. And like I mentioned earlier, and you talked about it, how people aren't getting enough sleep um, you know, 50%, I think you said are sleeping less than six hours. I remember I read, uh, Matthew Walker's book recently, why we sleep. I recommend it to anyone who's interested in the subject. Um, and he talks about how just a hundred years ago, I think it was, uh, that number was like closer to 2% for adults in America. So it's this new phenomenon where people are, um, you know, there's this work hard, play hard, whatever you want to call it. People aren't sleeping enough as a result of it. Um, and it could be screen time or, or something like that as well. I want to talk about, but uh, I think what's interesting going back to our, our conversation earlier about like, you know, that, that mindset, it's actually not just about like quantity of the amount of hours that you have in your days or weeks or life. It's also about, you know, the quality of it. Right. Yeah. It's so funny. We're having this conversation uh, yesterday internally with, with parts of our team about quality of life. Um, I think people on this podcast, you know, listening to this podcast probably know that and have heard that. Um, I think sometimes though you probably reach the masses, you know, I think we, we found that potential, you know, can probably communicate it more, right? That, um, and, and what does potential mean, right? I can tell you when I was 18 years old to, or I should say 15 to 18, you know, my, potential to me meant uh, my physical performance. Like straight up, I want to start on the varsity soccer team at, as you know, Bridgewater Rare team, you know, probably now it's 3,000 kids in high school, right? Um, like that was a hard thing to do because I was, like I said, I worked twice as hard to be happy as good. And so for me, that, that was at that point in my life, what potential meant, you know, you know, after, after scoring a goal in a game and, you know, uh, realizing I was never going to be pro at soccer, but, um, you know, I was going to be pro in something else, you know, for me, when I graduated college, you know, potential was, Hey, I had a hedge fund at a competitive hedge fund, right. That you're trying to outperform your other peers in the stock market. Right, like um, to me, potential meant, hey, I need to outthink and see, connect the dots faster in meetings and looking at data than other people. And you know, to me, that that was potential. Um, and I think right now, potential for me is like, man, or we have now 200 people at our company. You know, I need to be a better leader. I need to be more empathetic. I need to be able to guide and coach, um, right, and, and do a better job of that for my team. And so, to me, that's potential right now. And so, I think. You know, quality of life is something that I do think, you know, has been around this concept for the last 10 plus years, right? It's not just the years, right? It's, it's the, the life in the years. Um, and I think that is the right concept and wording. I, I, I think 
I found it hard for people to understand that um, from a mass level. Like if I talk about that with, you know, my mom or dad, the concept's there, but if I explain to my mom, like, mom, you know, you know, right now you want to be the best grandparent you can be or future grandparent, um, putting no pressure on myself or my sister with that statement. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, I think, you know, that's what she wants to be. She wants to be the best caretaker for the rest of my family, right? She wants to be around to see all those things, right? So quality of life for her may mean longevity right now. Um, but I think it's, it's really finding sort of like connecting what is your why? What are your goals? What is, what is your why this moment in life? What's most important to you? And then how can better help deliver that? And so I think that, that's how we've thought about it more internally than, than just quality of life. But I love, I love those words too. I just fear that not everyone can resonate with that as much as people that have been looking at the health, you know, healthcare space um, as we have in the last few years. Yeah, t- totally get that and makes a lot of sense. And obviously the, you know, the potential performance, whatever anyone, you know, individually wants to think of it as, um, there's something to be said for, I guess, the improvement, um, you know, regardless of the time, the improvement in performance, uh, you know, potential quality, whatever you want to call it per time, rather than simply, oh, you know, you're less likely to die of, of heart disease or cancer if, if you sleep more. Um, yeah. The the impact in the present is as or, or maybe more meaningful even than in the long term that's at least how, how kind of i've come it's, to it's actually really you know i think that's a really good behavior change question right i think certain people will react to a reward more in the present right and an example right when i worked at a hedge fund you know i my compensation was directly tied to performance of stocks that i chose right so that my incentive, I, you know, I was being incentivized in the present to maximize performance there, right? Um, I think that that is, is, is something that sometimes can drive more positive behavior than, hey, Harpreet, all four grandparents of yours, true story, unfortunately, have had heart attack or stroke or died from them. Um, that is something that is going to likely happen to you based on your family genetics, right? Unfortunately, um, you know, I think it probably would have been even harder for me to be that motivated, you know, in my mid twenties about something that may or may not happen when I'm 50 or 60 or 70. Um, you know, so I think it's sometimes human behavior just reacts to, you know, what's in front of them and more certain than what could happen. And, you know, uncertain, you know, even if it's more severe, obviously me having a heart attack when I'm 50 would be much more severe than, Hey, you know, was my portfolio up 15% versus 20%. But most people's behaviors from a behavioral psychology and change perspective don't necessarily think that way. And I think that's what makes our healthcare system, at least in the U.S., so hard right now and why, you know, we're at whatever it is, you know, great. Well, this year, of course, greater than, you know, 20 percent of GDP because of COVID. But, you know, 20 percent of GDP growing double digit, you know, it's almost an unsustainable cost for healthcare in the U.S. And so I think, you know. And that's partly because, you know, people think about healthcare as sick care today, right? Like I get sick, that's when I go see the doctor. I have a heart attack, that's when I go to the hospital, right? Not before, because I think before it's like most people don't think about that as something, don't have a reward structure in their heads that can sort of simplify, hey, this may or may not happen, I need to make these changes now. And those changes, you know, that, that may or may not could be so severe. You know, I think sometimes it's just hard to get people's behavior to change their psychology to really appreciate that unless they understand the consequences more. And I think that that's part of it too, right? We just got to make people understand how like Matthew Walker has done so brilliantly, like, Hey, how lack of sleep will lead to likely higher rates of cancer or Alzheimer, right? Whatever may Alzheimer's and dementia, whatever it may be. I think we need more and more of that research. So people understand the long-term consequences, but yeah, in the short term, I think we've seen people, if you can sort of get something they care about now, will most likely react to that. Um, faster, quicker, and change your behavior than something that may or may not happen 10, 20, 50 years from now. Yeah, I totally agree. The the short-term incentives, like as, as much as I try to take a long-term view, because I know that, or at least I believe that there, there's value to doing so and advantage to doing so. I think that, you know, all humans with, with you know, now all a constant feed of information on your phone and whatever it is, uh, all these different forms of entertainment, everyone's attention span and outlook is kind of becoming closer and closer and, and short, shorter and shorter term, more focused yeah. on the near term and the stuff that you can actually see and feel today or tomorrow. I think it's something that it's such a hard concept um, for, and it's not just health, right? It's the other one is economics, right? If you look at Warren Buffett 
and everything he talks about, the law of compound math, right? If you let something compound, right, for 20 to 30 years at five to seven or 10%, it can be a life-changing, you know, if you, if you save $1,000 every year and, and keep contributing, you know, that can be multiples, right, 30 to 50 years from now that, than, you, than you'll ever think of. Yet most people will instead spend that $1,000 now on something that they want now and not be willing to sacrifice um, that immediate return for something that could be much bigger later down the road. And so I think, you know, we see it in our health, we see it in, you know, our long-term finances as well. And I think it's just a hard thing to make a sacrifice now for something that may or may not be certain in the future. Uh, but, but hopefully, again, more education, more people talking about that. I think we've seen that in health. We're seeing it in the finance sector. You know, companies like Robinhood getting out there and helping people learn about investing, um, you know, at a younger and younger age, I think is great. So hopefully we, we see more education, more awareness uh, that, that happens in, in all these spaces so people can make the better decision in the short term for the long term. Right. So it starts with education and understanding and awareness. Um, once you, and, you know, having like an aura ring and actually being able to see and measure um, the, the information, once you have the information and you have the education and understanding that you've decided you're going to prioritize sleep some more, um, what are some of the, the biggest weapons to, um, you know, create, to, to optimize not only sleep time, which is, you know, partly obviously a choice of just like when you go to bed and when you wake up, but also, you know, your efficiency during that time, your ability to sleep, your REM sleep, your deep sleep, et cetera. What I'm curious, kind of from two angles, one, what have you gotten back from the users and, and two, uh, and obviously there might be some overlap, but what have you applied in your own life? Yeah. It's a great question. I think um, probably some of the easiest weapons, but probably most ununderstood or not well understood by, by people is, is just timing. Um, and that, I mean it as timing, consistency of sleep and not just sleep, but everything you do. So when you have your last cup of coffee, you know, if you have a cup of coffee at 2 p.m., right, versus 10 a.m., that can have a tremendous impact given the half-life of caffeine and that decay curve on how much caffeine is in your system when you go to bed at nine or at, at 10, 11 or 12 PM. And so I think, you know, that that's really interesting just in, and same thing with food. You know, I think we see it with people that, you know, end up eating and finishing dinner four hours before they sleep versus two hours about before they sleep, you know, much better deep sleep, much, you know, lower resting heart rates, much higher heart rate variabilities, much better readiness scores, and they feel and perform better the next day. Um, so I think, you know, timing of food, of caffeine, even if you're going to drink, drink responsibly, you know, <laughs> be a happy hour versus a nightcap type of person. And, you know, I think you'll see much better, um, you'll see much better data on your sleep um, and, uh, and and how you feel and perform the next day. So I think, you know, those, I, I would say timing of food, consistency of timing of sleep, you know, if you just, Matthew Walker talks about this, right? Like during daylight savings, right? I forget what percent of increase in heart attacks, but it's, you know, the next day we see, right. It's like something like over a 25, I think it's something as high as like a 50% increase. I, I, sh I wish I remember that one or off the top of my head right now on the day following, you know, daylight savings change uh, because people's sleep patterns got shifted by that much. And that has a tremendous impact on our cardiac health. And most people don't know that. So just being consistent in when you go to sleep will improve the quality of it. Um, same thing when you wake up, same thing when you eat food, when you exercise, and when you have coffee and or alcohol. So I think learning that, just those daily choices we all make, um, you know, most people are probably listening to this podcast are going to eat today, going to drink coffee today, uh, may or may not drink alcohol, and probably will want to work out today. And so I think timing is such an interesting thing in how the human body works in hormonal cycles. Um, you know, I think some of the other really interesting hacks out there are probably... I do think blue light blocking glasses for, you know, two thirds of people has a tremendous impact. We all are working later, you know, we're, you know, looking at Netflix later, um, you know, we're more connected now than ever. And so I think that that can have a pretty immediate um, impact on, on the quality of your sleep. Um, I'm trying you to think, think what else. Just, just to jump in there. Cause I'm curious, uh, I've, uh, I don't know if there's any way for me to find this. Maybe you guys have, or, or will, but I'm curious the correlation between screen time and maybe particularly phone screen time, but overall screen time and sleep efficiency. Um, do you, have you found that, you know, and maybe you don't have this specific of data, but uh, the blue light glasses, do they like completely negate the adverse impact? Do you think of like being on your phone late at night for a couple hours before you sleep? 
or is it kind of a marginal yeah. help? No, I mean, I, I think, I definitely think they help, especially if you're going to engage in some of those activities, right? Like if you're going to watch The Queen's Gambit and watch three episodes in one night instead of one. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the middle of that right now. It's pretty funny. <laughs> As apparently so are 60 million other Netflix watchers, some, some crazy number have already watched it already, uh, which is awesome. I, I love it. Um, but uh, I, I think if you are going to do those things, yeah, you know, late at night, but like when I do work, you know, in the evenings or at night, I do use my blue eye blockers. I think it helps. It would still help better if I didn't work or do, you know, some of that stuff regardless, right? Um, so I think um, if you're going to do it, maybe just being a little bit more aware and a little bit, you know, more responsible when you do it so you can still get some things done more effectively the next day. Um, so, you know, I, I would say, yeah, don't have the data on the difference of, you know, using your phone, blue light blockers, using your phone and not using your phone. That would be a pretty cool data set. But hopefully one day, you know, we can drive those kind of correlations for users. Um, but but unfortunately, not there yet. Yeah, no, I mean, you guys are, are going pretty fast, all things considered. I think it sounds like, was it, was it 2016 you said you, you discovered Aura in the first place? Yeah, our first rings from the Kickstarter of our Gen 1. You know, now we're on our Gen 2 devices. Most people don't, don't know or didn't hear of us when we had Gen 1. So I think, yeah, Gen 1, um, you know, started shipping or was announced on a Kickstarter at the end of 15, started shipping early 16. Um, and then Gen 2, you know, really didn't start shipping in earnest till, till late 2018. Um, so I think, uh, and, and even then we had a backlog for, you know, several months for about a year. Um, so I think more people are hearing about us now as we've just, as we've just grown and been able to increase our, you know, manufacturing and production. Um, and so now, now people get it like a normal e-commerce product, you know, in a week. Um, and, uh, and yeah, our, luckily, you know, we've been growing pretty fast. Yeah, it's great. And I'm excited to see, obviously, you know, I still think of myself as relatively early um, adopter and I'm excited to see what's, you know, what's in the future for you guys. Um, one interesting development is this year you had a pretty, um, you know, popularly, uh, popular in the media partnership with the NBA. Also, I understand with WNBA, a number of other organizations in sports and otherwise, um, can you talk a bit about how COVID has shifted or pivoted your guys roadmap at all? Maybe just accelerated what you were already planning on doing? Yeah. Um, no, I think it, it, it you know, I think it's, it's changed the market for all of us in this space and, and frankly, you know, everyone's lives, unfortunately. Um, so I think, you know, we, we have been investing in research, um, you know, with universities every single year. And, you know, I think when we were planning to do some of that this year, um, obviously during, during a pandemic, during the lockdown, you know, basic research was sort of, you know, suspended everywhere in the U.S. when COVID started. Can't recruit subjects, right, in, in a lockdown. And um, I think, uh, you know, we, we have seen, though, every single year, you know, during the flu season, you know, people reach out to us on social, reach out to us, um, you know, via CX uh, uh, and emails and stuff. And they're like, wow, you won't believe it. My readiness scores, you know, were changing a day or two before I felt sick. Um, you know, we've heard that every flu season for the last four years. And um, I think, you know, this year that just took on such a bigger meaning. And so... You know, we had a user who came out really publicly and said, you know, I've had an Orwin for a year. My retina is a really, uh, really strong recreational athlete. He's a skier. Um, and his name is Patrick Holman in Finland. And he was like, look, I've had this product for a year. My retina score is always in the 80s or 90s. I know me and you are jealous of him. But, um, <laughs> you know, he's like, I woke up one day in early March. My retina score was a 54. My Orwin said my, you know, temperature was up about a degree. He's like, I didn't feel any symptoms. Uh, you know, but my heart rate was elevated. My HRV was down. My respiratory rate was up, I believe. And, you know, he decided to go get checked for COVID, you know, described himself as asymptomatic. And, you know, it turns out he was positive. And so I think, you know, that happened in early March. Um, you know, we were already hearing it from other users, but this user just, you know, described his journey uh, publicly. And um, I think at that time too, plus with, you know, other, our other research plans being canceled, we felt like, you know, we had to do what we can to help during a pandemic. And for us, I think, you know, from an epidemiology perspective, 
you know, uh, a pandemic, you know, we haven't been in a pandemic in the past where we've had all this new technology that we've had over the last 50 years, right? So I think in order to prevent future pandemics, let's try to collect as much information as we can. Let's try to learn about, you know, this virus and other influenza-like illnesses. And so, you know, we, we decided to donate, uh, we kick off a study, you know, with UCSF. I think we were the first, we were the first wearable to launch a study before Apple, before Fitbit, before Whoop, before Garmin and others um, on COVID. And, you know, we, we, to start that study, donated 2,000 O-rings to frontline healthcare workers um, that were going to be in COVID wards across the country, um, you know, because they're likely to get sick, um, unfortunately. And, you know, then we had another donor come in and donate another 1,000 rings. And then, you know, I think we opened the study up to all of our users in the ORA database. Um, and so we've, we've had nearly 70,000 people enroll in that study. And, you know, pretty early, you know, we've started to see really, really interesting things in the data indicating, you know, we can see people can see changes in their aura data up to three days in advance of feeling symptoms. You know, the final final study is yet still to be, you know, published, but, you know, those things always take time, but we're really excited about the data. I think, you know, the NBA heard about that study, knew that we had temperature sensors in the aura ring and other risk-based wearables didn't have that. And, you know, I think also did a lot of research, talking to other researchers, not just at UCSF, but other universities, and felt like in a bubble, um, uh, you know, that they're trying to, uh, that they're trying to, you know, be as safe as they can, right? No one's, no one's a pro in operating a pandemic. And the NBA was, you know, the first sports league to go back to work, basically, um, and into a playoff, um, at least. I think UFC and NASCAR and some of the car racing, or UFC and NASCAR, I believe, might have been actually even earlier to go back. But um, I think, you know, when they're trying to do that, they're trying to keep everyone as safe as they can, 2,000 plus people in a bubble, they felt like, hey, having this technology can only help people understand their bodies more, be a little bit more self-aware, you know, come to us if they, they see a problem um, and, you know, give everyone a little bit more peace of mind. And so luckily, you know, I'd say great research has turned into some great partnerships and, you know, for us as a company and never really would have thought that would have happened this year. Yeah, I think the NBA, you know, stamp of approval is, is certainly a, a big thing. I view them pretty, you know, admirably in the way that they've dealt with everything. They, as far as I remember, like they were the first league to actually shut down before they were the first league Correct. to come back. Yeah. And uh, I think Adam Silver has done a, a tremendous job with everything, doing everything really responsibly, uh, safe, but making sure everyone can continue. And, and it is important for a lot of people to have uh, sports to watch, you know, whether, you know, you can argue against that or, or not, but um, I, I think it, it does, you know, some people do look forward to that and it, it is a meaningful thing to get sports back. Uh, and you guys were obviously a huge part of that. So, and, and I do think that the future also of like, you know, diagnosing whether it's, you know, COVID or the flu or whatever it might be having earlier diagnoses of these things through advanced, you know, wearables or, or whatever it might be, um, just helps to drive towards more preventative medicine. And it's certainly something that, that I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about. I, I want to end uh, with a final question. Obviously, like you, um, you know, you were thinking a lot about sleep in the early days. You also were thinking about exercise and, and diet and everything like that. Curious where you are today in terms of like your overall picture of health. Obviously, sleep is at near, near the top of, of what's important to you and what you pay a lot of attention to and prioritize. But is there any other things that you kind of, you know, swear by and live by and always turn to if, you know, you're, you're feeling like you, you don't have the energy or, or you're not taking care of yourself? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think for me lately, one of the other <laughs> things I've been doing um, is the sauna. Um, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of great research out there. You know, Rhonda Patrick's put out a bunch um, and other researchers have studied this too, right? But just... Um, there, there's definitely something that's at another level of, of recovery and, you know, restore and rejuvenation with the sauna than, you know, than I think most people know about. Um, so I think I found that to be tremendously helpful myself lately. Um, you know, but I, I'd say exercising for me has always been sort of a little bit of my outlet, um, just getting, you know, getting back going, even, even if it doesn't need to be hard. And I think that's the other thing that's changed a lot with, with my understanding, right, is that you know, sometimes a, a light workout, actually a lot of times will be more beneficial for you than a hard workout. Um, and so I think it's, yeah, that, that's an area I think like me personally that I've always just found, you know, comfort in and a little bit of my time, and my focus time just to get away from it all. Um, I think as a company, you know, frankly, wearables probably, I sort of talk about wearables start out as like 1.0, you know, and that was really steps and activity. 
I think where wearables are now going, you know, is to health as a whole, um, right? Oh, I can tell I'm getting sick before I feel that because of my wearable. Oh, I can tell what days are better to work out um, before I start the workout because of wearable. You know, I think we're doing some interesting stuff in women's health, you know, and I would love, you know, for our aim to eventually be like, oh, I can tell when my cycle is going to happen before I feel it, right? And, you know, women can plan their, their days and their lives better. Um, and I think, you know, if you start to look at all these other applications out there, you know, we're seeing Apple has done a tremendous job on AFib, particularly, you know, in that aspect of cardiac health. Samsung is doing a lot of interesting work with hypertension and blood pressure in Korea. Um, you know, I think Fitbit, you know, did, you know, is doing work as is widens on sleep apnea. And now Apple joining that too. So I think the way the wearables world is going is more to, you know, uh, not just from activity and or sleep, like a point solution, but to a more holistic picture of your health, um, right? And moving towards health um, as a whole, not just, not just one or two things or categories. But I think, look, for us as a company, you know, sleep, we think is the right foundation, but, you know, we want our users to be able to make better choices all throughout the day, you know, to eat better, to meditate more, right? To, you know, um, exercise more, right? And, and, or exercise, you know, how much they should be exercising. So I think if we, you know, create, if we start with that positive behavior change in sleep, it'll make all those things easier. And then I do think the long-term, you know, health applications, health sensing applications, um, you know, as most would traditionally call medical applications are really interesting. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but as far as me personally, the other thing I've been doing lately is the sauna and it's, it's been, it's been a game changer. That's great. Well, I appreciate the perspective. I know we're coming up on time, so I want to wrap things up, but, uh, can't stress enough for, for those tuning in who, who don't have an aura ring yet. I'm a pretty hardcore minimalist. Like I, I don't have a lot of products. I don't like a lot of products, but, uh, the aura ring since I got it has just been awesome. And, uh, can't imagine, you know, going back to, to a world without it. And that's just, you know, my personal opinion, but it's true. Uh, so Harpreet, I, I appreciate you coming on today, obviously to talk about all this stuff. And it's been really interesting to hear your perspective and, uh, think, you know, I'm, I'm confident in, in aura going forward with you at the helm. So, uh, wish you guys all the best and wrapping up would love to hear, uh, you know, where, where you would send people to just learn more about you or the company or whatever else it might be. Yeah. Um, luckily we got a website and it's just, uh, AuraRing.com. That's, uh, O-U-R-A-R-I-N-G.com. And you can, you know, check us out there. We have a great blog called The Pulse where, you know, we showcase a lot of users, how they've improved their lives and other things in some of the science, you know, and health aspects if you want to go deeper there. But uh, definitely give us a, give, give us a, you know, a shout and a check out there. Um, I, I will also say, you know, Jake, just thanks, thanks a ton for having me on. Um, frankly, I think, you know, like we talked about a lot of this is education awareness and it's people like you that are just, you know, making others aware, right? Your listeners aware um, that, hey, there's things you can do to improve the state that you're in. So um, thanks for having me on and really appreciate what you're doing as well. Oh, 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 oh,